You're listening to In Conversation, the podcast from Creative Coverage with me, Tim Saunders. Today, I'm with wildlife artist Richard Whittlestone. You've been extremely busy lately painting commissions. Has there always been such strong demand for these, Richard? Luckily, the last few years, yes. But as with all commissions, they tend to come in in, in a big group. And then and then you have a, a fallow period, of course. So recently, obviously, with lockdown, it's changed things slightly. And therefore, uh, these commissions came in late last year. And so I held them back to January, February and March to keep me obviously busy while the galleries closed. What is it about commissions that you like? Because, you know, quite often artists will say, I don't like working for commission. They're not for me. Well, that's true with me. I really don't enjoy commissions, but they are a means to an end, of course. And the artistic uh, life, the income of, of an artist is so up and down, or it can be. And commissions are the one thing that at least, you know, you've got the ready money at the end of it. Uh, and it, so it helps to uh, to get you through. For me now, I only do about a dozen commissions a year. And that's quite enough. That's quite enough for me. It's a discipline that I have to, I suppose, turn my mind to. Uh, but I'm lucky enough to have my own gallery and therefore I can I can paint pretty much what I want and put on my own wall and sell from my own wall as well, which uh, is is such a boom. It really is. That's not to say I don't enjoy having uh, commissions in because it's, it's, it's the peace of mind and the knowing that uh, uh, they will see you through to a certain point in the future. How do these people hear about you? I mean, are they repeat customers or are they totally new? They can be. They can be uh, uh, repeat customers. I have um, a, a number of those, of course. But um, luckily, being where I am, I'm, I have the gallery on the chats of the estate. And then and when in, in normal times, when the estate is open and we've got a throughput of uh, people stopping here uh, from all around the world, of course, uh, they tend to find their way to my door. And I'm lucky enough to pick up commissions from all around the world. As I say, because they come in in a rush, you can have you can have virtually nothing on. And within a, a week, you can have three commissions in. And uh, so I never worry now. At uh, one time, I did worry, but uh, that's that's gone now over the, over the years. It's uh, it seems to look after itself. Can you tell me how you ended up at the Chatsworth Estate? I was a semi-professional artist. This is thirty odd years ago now, uh, selling work to galleries and getting by. I luckily I sold some paintings to a person who lived not far from the Chatsworth estate. I, I lived up in Yorkshire at the time at the family farm and they took their work to be framed at a gallery uh, where the farm shop is. I don't know if anybody knows, but the, the Chatsworth farm shop is a big, successful farm shop now. But at, uh, 30 odd years ago, it was there, there were little units and one was a gallery. And through that, uh, the gallery owner saw my work, asked about me. I uh, ended up taking work there and selling such a huge amount of work. I eventually turned professional on the back of that. And I always thought, gosh, this is where I want to be. This, this is the place that obviously suits my work. And it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful place to paint as well. So if I could live in the area, which I did eventually in the, in the uh, late 80s, I moved here. The gallery was successful and, and, and my career was built. And that's when I turned fully professional. But then when the gallery closed, I thought, right, this is the time I've got to find somewhere that I can actually have my own gallery. So through the agent, we found somewhere. And I've been here now for 16 years and and it's built on that, of course. You know, so I'm only a stone's throw from the original gallery that uh, set me off on my way uh, in, in the mid 80s. It must have been difficult for you because growing up on a farm, being a boy, I'd have expected your father to want you to continue that tradition. 
Yeah, do you know, I never, it never crossed my mind at the time, but I look back and I, I realise that now, but I had an older sister who was obsessed with farming. She still still is. And uh, she did all the milking, the milk round and, and what have you. And it was her, it was always her, uh, her and my dad. And I never felt it was really my calling. I was the only son, but I was I was the second child, the middle right. child eventually. And and so that I'd never had that pressure and I never had that interest. I loved it, I, I, and I could milk, and I could do the milk round, and, and I helped on the farm and loved it. But for me, it was birds and animals, and having my aviary and 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 being on the periphery of that. Wasn't that good of your dad not to put that pressure on you? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And I only years later, as, uh, being a parent now, and I see this. But uh, at the time, I just, my parents were very, very supportive of me, and I wouldn't have been a professional artist without without my, my mother's perseverance. And my dad's, my dad's encouragement, it, wonderful, wonderful parents I had. I, I was lucky. I was so lucky in that. And no pressure. There was no pressure to, get, to go, even go and get a job. And, and, and looking back now, that's just ridiculous, really. But uh, that's, it gave me time to learn my craft. But, and another thing, my dad died when I was 20, uh, 29. And at that time, I could easily have quit and said, I just can't make a living here. But he believed in me so much that... I was devastated when he died, but I couldn't at that from that point on. I couldn't ever quit because I couldn't let his memory down, if you like. So that kept me going. Do you think that upbringing of living on a farm actually fueled your interest in wildlife? No, it helped. The love of wildlife came through my grandmother, who um, was a biologist. I remember sitting with her, and and she talked about how birds and how how blackbird when it lands, it always cocks its tail and a chaffinch dips when it flies things like this I was only four three or four and it went in and I was obsessed by by the time I was seven I was obsessed by birds and, and wildlife after that as well just generally a rule of setting helped of course but it was in me anyway it was in me from my grandmother's uh, input what about the drawing and the painting where did that come from Again, that was actually my grandfather was uh, a, a gifted artist and so was his sister who was an art teacher and they grew up in the, I suppose, in the 20s and 30s when uh, there was a lot of amateur dramatics and, and painting, etc., music. Mm. And it fed through. And I, my mother was very artistic also, but none of them had the discipline. They were all gifted, but none of them seemed to have the discipline to actually produce the work. As all artists know, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. And it's when it's hard, that's when you have to really knuckle down and produce. And being professional, goodness, it took me well into my 20s to learn how you, you've got to produce. You've got to produce. And sometimes the best work are the ones that uh, you've fought with. You know, my, my father, he, he could draw, but he had a, a wonderful work ethic. And I think, uh, luckily, I think maybe I, I got a bit of that as well, which helped. You know. As you get older, you realise, I think, you look back, don't you? You, you realise how things interweave and bits of, of somebody in your past, people, uh, you know, your grandparents and parents. It's, it's all part of you, isn't it? It's all part of you. I mean, I love what I do, but I do treat it now as a job. Even though uh, in years gone by, I would work quite happily 18 hours a day. I do treat it as a job. So I come into work uh, for nine in the morning and I do an hour of paperwork, etc., and then I start painting at 10 and I try and paint through till 
five and that's a five day week so that's tuesday to saturday but more and more i'll, I'll lose I'll, I'll lose a full day to paperwork now and that's i suppose that's the success of, of where i am and i don't like that i don't like the paperwork like like it's not what i'm about but it's part of what i do i suppose that's the great thing it's, it's, it's more of a business because i employ people as well so there's this headache as, as well which is something i never ever considered the, the lovely thing is when i'm painting a painting that i'm enjoying I still dream about it and I still wake up in the morning and I can't wait to get into work to do it. So I, I know I still do what I love doing. Uh, it's just changed slightly from what it was, say, 20 years ago. How has this pandemic affected you? Quite honestly, not at all. I've had the joy of being able to work on my own again because more and more I, I work in the studio in the day and, and the gallery's open, so I'm meeting people all the time. I've almost been like the artist in the attic, up in the garret, which which is is what all I mean. All artists enjoy being on their own and and, and putting themselves into. It's it's embarrassing. It's almost it's excruciating having to share your work with people. It's something you have to learn, isn't it? So I've had the joy of being on my own, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. But sales-wise, last year was incredible, and this year is good as well. So there's good and bad. I suppose I've had more time to reflect on what I do, and and also more time to put into my paintings, which sometimes you can get into the stage you get to the stage where you're um you, you've got to get a, a hit, hit a deadline and get a painting finished this this time i uh, i've given myself a, the luxury of a little bit more time on a painting do you paint out in the open or from photographs or how does it work for you for me a painting i have to see it in my head that's the that's the most important thing uh, and, and from that point Depending where I'm, I'll sketch it out on a, on the back of an envelope or something. If I, generally, um, just so I don't forget it. But I've got thousands of paintings in my head. That's that's. A, I haven't got the time to produce them. From that point, I, I'll go and get my reference. So I'll I'll go out and, and either sketch or make colour notes. I'll use photographs as well and video. If it's a bird, I've got a, I've got a big range of study skins that I've built up since the 70s. And also, it's practice, I suppose. I can, if I'm painting a wren, for example, I've painted thousands of wrens, so I know how they go. And, but I don't get bored with them. I just change them around in my head, uh, like a 3D image, and, and paint them from a different perspective, almost, you know. What's your favourite size of painting? <laughs> Gosh, I've never been asked that before. I love painting small paintings. I started, when I, when I first uh, sold my first work, when I was 13... Everything was tiny, a little, say, almost six, eight inches by by four inches. Everything was small. And, and then obviously you go along and you get bigger and bigger and bigger. And yes, a big painting is great fun and it makes an impact, as we all know. But you've got a limited market and also it sucks a lot of time away. So I would say probably a small painting of a, a study. If, if I do a small five by eight painting of a, of a small bird with, with a feather, for example, I like to try and make a big impact with that. I think anybody can make an impact with a big painting. It's trying to make an impact with a small painting that uh, is the key. I think that's, uh, I would say a small painting. Yeah, that's, you know, the smaller the better. Don't get bored with them then. You've obviously got a huge interest in, in wildlife. How has that developed over the years? Is there a particular bird that really attracts your attention these days? Uh, yes, I've got, I've got favourite birds. I mean, living in Derbyshire, in the Peak District, uh, we've got, uh, like everywhere, there's buzzards everywhere now, which there weren't 25, 30 years ago. There are um, 
Lots of different uh, terrain. Curly were a favourite bird of mine, a, a lovely wading bird with a, a wonderful bubbling song. And they're just coming back now. They're just coming up from the wintering grounds to the breeding grounds. So they would be a favourite. But I, I, I love all it's British birds, especially. I, I love all birds. And um, I, I'll dream about them, which sounds a bit ridiculous. But I, I'll dream about them. And I'll, and I'll see a picture in my head. And I'll just think, goodness, I just want to. And, and so I'll, often if the painting's right there in my head, uh, I'll just come into work and start, start it straight away. And, and get on with it because it's there I can see it so clearly. So when you are imagining a particular bird does that sort of dictate the size of the canvas that you'll use? Yes yes it does because I, I try and work life size so obviously if it's a mute swan it's a big canvas not, not always it, it get a lot of game birds I have to reduce in size um, if the commission is certainly but yes you're right Tim it, that does dictate the size. What about the mediums that you use? Purely oil? I use oil and I used to use watercolour. I started in watercolour and then I used to use a lot of uh, body colour, gouache as well. And uh, and then uh, and then about 20 odd years ago, I, I, I was commissioned to paint a mural. And so I bought all this fully used tiny amount. And being a, being a Yorkshireman, I, I, I came back from the home, I remember the studio and I thought, God, all this, all this paint's going to waste. I thought I'll use it up. I'll use it up, and then at least I've, 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 I've yeah, I, I, it's it's been used on something. And within a fortnight, I just I just fall in love with acrylic because you can put so many things into it to to bring it to life. And I love the speed of it, the way it dries so quickly. I just love the fact that I can take a painting from start to finish in a couple of hours if need be, and it's it's done. It can be varnished and and framed and gone. So it, acrylic is my favourite, although the oil that you can't beat that, that luster, but it's too slow. It's too slow. Do you have particular manufacturers that you favour? Yeah, I, I suppose Winsor & Newton, uh, um, like most people, they're pretty good. Uh, I do get freebies from, from time to time. Um, I won't mention any companies, but they're never... They're never, never as good. Uh, there are certain colours that I have to go elsewhere for because I, I love uh, Van Dyke Brown. It's one of my favourite browns, certainly. And uh, Winsor Newton don't don't do a decent one, so I go elsewhere for those. But Winsor Newton, the quality is fantastic. So that, that's uh, that's uh, that's what I'd say. Yeah. What about brushes? From my watercolour days, I used to use the best quality brushes. It's always uh, Kalinsky Sable, and I still use Kalinsky Sable now for my acrylic. And of course, the, the last two seconds and they're gone. You know, you, you, you use ten or fifteen on a painting, and that's and really I shouldn't. I, sh- I should use something a little bit more hard wearing. But you, you get used to what you use, don't you? And uh, so always Kalinsky Sable. Do you have a particular canvas that you like? No, I don't. I, I do use canvases, but generally I use primed MDF board, various thicknesses of two and a half mil or three mil or five mil uh, for bigger ones. And then it's it's just good quality gesso. So I uh, put at least three or four coats, maybe up to 10 coats on some and rub down it. And, and a, a lot of the time taken is uh, is prep, is prep of boards, you know. But again, you see, you can get some really nice big boards. A canvas, it's storing the darn things. That's what I struggle with. To a degree, you're limited to that size. You, you start a painting, you can't cut it down quite the same. So it's MDF is a wonderful medium for me. And what would you say has been your greatest success, either financially or, you know, the actual painting that you've produced? Uh, that's, oh, gosh, thanks for that. Um, 
painting, painting wise, I painted a large painting a couple of years ago and I, I put a price of 12,000 on it. And it's not monetary. I've never been in this game to make money. It's given me a wonderful quality of life. But gosh, the money is important because I've got a, I've got a wife and family and uh, they need to be taken care of. Yes. But the price you, you achieve for a painting is a mark of where you are. Because if somebody will come along and, and pay hard-earned money for something that you've enjoyed doing, goodness me, that, that's a wonderful feeling. It really, And I'll never, ever get over it. I really don't. And so I, I, I painted a, um, a leaping fox a couple of years ago now, and I took it to exhibition, and I knew I would sell it. And I sold it straight away. I could have sold it three times. And, and that was at 12000 which was a, the most I'd uh, achieved at that time. Uh, so I would say that it was a marker. As you'll know, talking to artists yourself, Tim, the best paintings are the ones you haven't painted yet. They're, they're the ones to come. They're the ones uh, that I've got in my mind still. But I love every painting. I can honestly say I love all, I love my work and I love every painting I do pretty much. The thrill of selling a painting is, is unbeatable. And I sell about 75 a year on average. And it's, inc- it's incredible. The, the, the thrill I get from somebody wanting to own one of my paintings is, is amazing. <laughs> it really is. Are you working on a particular one at the moment? Yes, I am. I'm painting a red stag with a highland background, which is a commission, uh, which I've nearly, well, I've got it hard. It's, it's past halfway now. The pressure's off because there's no rush for that. So I'm interspersing it with paintings for myself, which I'm enjoying rather, uh, which is the way I work with commi- large commissions. You, to work on that and nothing else, it can be a little bit soul-destroying. Mm. So, yes, I, I'm, I'm working on a number. I've just, I've just finished uh, a, a couple that have gone to the photographers this morning. Yeah, it's, it's a nice place to be because I've got I, I've got ideas. So when uh, large painting is done, this deer, this stag, uh, I'll drop back to some smaller ones and just get my eye back. And, you know. Well, Richard, it's been a pleasure to talk to you as always, and, and thank you for your time. Not at all. I've really enjoyed. It. Thank you. I, I know I'm talking about myself here. But, uh, no, yeah, but, well, that's uh, what it's about. It's it, a very educational podcast. Uh, they were great questions, though. The, the, we've covered my family and my, and my beginnings and everything. Yeah. And um, what I, I think that I think that's um, that's pretty comprehensive, actually.